Well, uh, we begin a new series today on the book of Jonah, and I've entitled it Average Joe. Um, and through it, we will actually discover that though he is a prophet, though he is used by God, he really is an average Joe or Joanne like you and me. And what I'm really excited about is this week, this Sunday, actually marks uh, the beginning of our preparation for Resurrection Sunday. Uh, or Easter, as some people know it as. And so every week from this uh, Sunday forward, we will be building up towards a very special outreach project, uh, which I will uh, reveal, first of all, at our All Ministries meeting this Saturday and later on in the coming weeks. Uh, it's about our hearts being prepared uh, to have and to gain the heart of God, especially for the lost, especially for our friends. So we will be having a very uh, just amazing outreach opportunity for Resurrection Sunday for us to be able to invite friends, uh, and I'll unpack that a little bit more. But really, the next several weeks until Resurrection, it's all about preparing our hearts to have the heart of God, especially for the lost. You know, um, one of my favorite hymns, I don't know too many hymns, uh, but one of my favorite, well, two of my favorite hymns uh, are uh, Be Thou My Vision. I, I love that hymn. And also, come thou founts of every blessing. And what's interesting is I really love the, the last verses, especially of both those hymns. And especially with come thou fount, every time I sing it or hear it or hear somebody sing those lyrics, it grips my heart. You know, it really convicts me and I'm always like, oh. you know, I'm like, I get so deeply convicted uh, of the truth and the cry of those verses. And let me read for you the... The final verse of Come Thou Found, it says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And with that verse, each time I, it's the cry of my heart. It's a longing for me. Because we've all seen it, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Right? We've all felt the tug, the temptations of this world. Right? And we all feel the different things of this world that is nudging, nudging us for it's our attention, for our passion, for our heart. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel prone to leave the God that I love. So what does the psalm, this writer, do in response to it? In the midst of this nudging of our hearts towards so many other temptations, he lifts up a prayer of surrender. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And I hope that that would be the cry of our hearts for all of our faith journey. Say, God, here is my heart. I feel so many things pulling for my affections, but God, I want to give you my heart fully. Amen? And I think that needs to be the cry of the heart of every believer. That, yes, there are things competing for our hearts, but God, ultimately, I give you the fullest attention, affection of my hearts. And the reason why I bring up this hymn in particular is because I realized studying this book of Jonah and also realizing what an average Joe Jonah is, um, I realized, you know, this is also something that Jonah, uh, I think, eventually struggled with. Uh, having a heart that grew cold to the things of God. Though he was a prophet of God, though he was a servant of God, though he was walking with God before, his heart grew cold to the things of God, especially for the lost. And so that's why for us, leading up to Resurrection Sunday, I want us to begin doing some heart surgery and heart massaging 
so that our hearts might grow soft to the things of God's heart. Amen? So with that, if you could open your Bibles to the book of Jonah, uh, we'll begin with chapter 1, and also you could follow along in your outlines. Uh, Let's explore this interesting book and very interesting character. So as we go into this uh, study of Jonah, we will see in it, uh, again, an average heart, an average Joe, Uh, being used by an above-average God. You know, some uh, throughout history, uh, throughout scholarly studies of this book, they've focused a lot, and there's still volumes upon volumes of references that are written about the one subject that has consumed a lot of Sunday school kids when they study the book of Jonah, that is what? The big fish, right? Uh, There's so much written about, could it really have been scientifically possible for Jonah to have survived in the belly of a big fish? And... You know, it's again, like they go into so much debate and discussion and wonder how it really happened. But you know what? I believe that nothing is impossible for God. You know, so for me, if God wants something to happen, if he wants you to survive in the belly of a goldfish, it'll happen. You know, Uh, if God wants something to happen, it'll happen. But for me, I think the greater message that we need to focus on isn't how big the fish was and, you know, to be consumed by that. I think our focus needs to be upon how big the mercy of God is towards a rebellious people like us, like Jonah, like the average Joe. And, you know, Jonah in many ways represents us, again, the average Joe. Uh, and we see a very human heart in Jonah, one that is selfish, one that is far from reflecting God's heart for the lost. And more than the story of Jonah, I think it's a story of us, of how we need to have our hearts transformed by the mercy of God so that we might gain God's heart for the world. So let's begin our journey today in the life of average Joe. So as we open up our Bibles to Jonah chapter 1, in it we first of all see that average Joe runs from God. So everybody repeat, average Joe runs from God. So that's what we first encounter as we begin with the opening verses. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1, starting from verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh. Preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So let's look at verse 1. Now this phrase, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Uh, This phrase, the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, It is typical when God is giving an assignment to a prophet. So when you study the prophetic books and literature, you'll see many times God will come in these words, and the word of the Lord came too, dot, dot, dot. And that means that this person has been chosen as a prophet of God, specifically to bring a message on behalf of God to a people. All right, so God comes and gives him a prophetic assignment. Preach against Nineveh because its wickedness has come up before me, meaning this, enough is enough. God, in his patience, may allow people to do as they please, but there will be a point where God will bring proper judgment. God will draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough of your rebellion. Now is the time of judgment. But what's interesting, if you look at verse 2, as he says, go to the great city of Nineveh, A literal direct translation would be uh, God speaking to Jonah saying, get up and go to Nineveh. So everyone say, get up. 
That's a key phrase right there, okay? And we're going to actually um, unpack this a little bit more later as well. So he's, God is saying, Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh, right? preach against it. And then, but what does Jonah do? Jonah gets up and goes in the opposite direction. Okay? So that's exactly, literally it was a get up and go to Nineveh. He gets up and goes the other way, all right? Uh, so he heads towards Tarshish, which is, again, the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went ab abroad, aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the, uh, from the Lord. And it says in verse 3 that Jonah did this specifically. They give the reason to flee from the Lord. And that is what we... Average Joe, average Joanne. That's what we do as well, don't we? When we don't like God's assignment for us, we kind of flee and run in the other direction, right? We, the average Joe runs from God. How do we run? We run from God's call upon our lives. That's one of the ways that we run. Sometimes God may send certain people into our lives that are in need of his grace. For example, when you fly internationally, and when you guys were flying to this country or out of this country, you're on the plane for at least 10, 12 hours. And there are a lot of times when God will place certain people next to you. And it doesn't mean every single time you're on an airplane you need to share the full gospel. But I believe that many times God will create divine appointments when we are headed to somewhere for a long period of time and we're sitting next to strangers. I think there are a lot of divine encounters that I have seen happen. Right? So after, uh, you know... A prolonged period of time, you strike up the conversation about spiritual things, and it's, it's a little bit easier for me, I must admit, because when you're doing small talk, and then they, you know, naturally question, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. <laughs> do you go to church? <laughs> you know? It's pretty easy, right? Uh, but for some of us, um, and even for me as well, there are some times when I'm just tired on an international flight, I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody, right? And then God would prompt me, talk to no, right? I just, I just want to sleep. Leave me alone. And then we rationalize, right? I'm sure he doesn't want to hear about it. You know, I'm sure he doesn't want me, you know, he doesn't want to think that I'm a religious freak shoving religion. We rationalize, right? We come up with excuses, and in a sense, we are running away from God's call upon our lives. Or it could be even at work, uh, God, or at church, God may bring certain difficult people within our lives, right, who need to experience God's grace through our lives. They've been rejected by others so often. Maybe God wants to show them acceptance and grace through your life. But, again, we want to stay in our comfort zones, right? God, you know, they're kind of socially awkward, or I'm really uncomfortable around them, right? And so we, again, make excuses, or we're like, they're mean. They're so, they're so abusive in their language towards coworkers. And one of the things that I've realized that helps me gain a little bit more compassion especially if people are abusive or angry or have anger problems, is to remember, hurt people hurt people, right? So that people who are very hurtful towards others, uh, you know, in their speech, they're very sharp and critical in their words. A lot of times that's how they are raised. Hurt people are usually the ones that hurt people. And so sometimes within that, uh, God will bring those people into our lives to show them grace. But what do we do? We uh, want to stay in our comfort zones, and we actually turn the other way. Right? Or it could even be uh, God is prompting your heart to share the love of God with your neighbor. 
Maybe you've lived next to somebody for several years and you haven't gone beyond greetings. Oh, hey, how you doing? Or, That's about it, right? Um, and God may be uh, nudging you today or maybe God's been nudging you for a while. You know what? I've placed you guys to live next to each other for a reason. You know, can you love them? Can you serve them? Uh, can you get to know them? Can you show them godly hospitality? Right? And I think in different ways, God does place us in certain strategic assignments for us to experience a divine work encountering within our relationships. Or it could be something as directly parallel as Jonah. Maybe God has called some of you into ministry many years ago. But then you're like, you know what? Uh, let me just check out you know, how the regular business corporate world is like. And then you start getting way more money you could ever get in ministry. And you're like, you know what? This is pretty nice. And you've run away from the call of God. And who knows? Maybe some of you guys, the reason you're in this country of Korea is because you're running away from God, from your own country. It's possible. But the thing that we need to examine today is how are we in our call before God? As God has called us to do certain tasks, to be on a certain mission with Him, are we on mission with God or have we run away to do our own thing? But either way, and there are many times throughout our weeks, throughout our days, where God may be giving us an assignment of grace to a broken world. And instead of becoming partners in this new adventure that God wants us to be on with Him, we brush it off and go on, go on our own lives. And when that happens, we are not only running from God's call upon our lives, it also reveals that we do not have the heart of God. And when we refuse to get on mission with God, we run far away from God's heart for the lost. We have run from His heart for this world. Our disobedience, our running from God reveals we don't have the heart of God for the lost and for the broken world. And a test to see if we have God's heart is seeing how we respond to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting in this world. Now, a little bit of background though. You need to understand a little bit about these Ninevites. Right? Uh, that the reason, there is actually a good reason uh, that Jonah hightailed it out of there. Right? He's like, I'm going on a vacation, right? I'm going to take a time out from ministry. I'm going to take a time out from my calling as a prophet. I'm going to go to Joppa. Right? I'm going to chill. Right? I'm going to go to Joppa. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm just going to chill. And there's a reason why. Because the Ninevites, back in the day, um, they were actually really nasty people. Right? Now I'll explain. Ninevites and the Assyrian kings of the area, they were proud of their cruel and terrible ways that they tortured other ethnic groups. So they were extremely racist. Again, they were very, anyone that's not within their ethnic group or within their boundaries or their status of people, they hated. But they didn't just hate them. They were known to do this to surrounding countries. Again, my apologies ahead of time. It might be a little bit graphic for some people. Um, and so what they would do is they would dismember people from other uh, countries, surrounding regions, if they considered you an enemy or they didn't like you, and they would decapitate them. Okay, so they would cut off their heads and then uh, what they would do is they would force the family members of this deceased member to hold poles and parade around their city with the head of their deceased family member on top. Okay? And so that's the kind of thing that they would be forced to do. And also uh, other torture tactics that they were famous for during that time period was to stretch people to death. And while they were being stretched, they would skin them. Um, and so again, they were just like nasty people, you know, just psycho nasty. You know, it's like just you don't want to go there, you know. And so uh, because of that, 
Jonah was like, dude, this is not where I want to go. Nobody likes the Ninevites. And so they were just cruel, they were evil. And he also knew that if Jonah goes there, it's kind of like a death sentence. If he obeys God's call, he's like, I'm dead. All right, so one of two ways. Number one, I go there. They don't like the Israelites. They don't like me. They're not, they're not going to like my message. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. All right, so mm, I don't like that option. Option two, I go there. I bring the message of grace to these people, all these Ninevites, and they may receive it, they may not. I live. I go back home, and all my fellow Israelites are going to be ticked off that I went to that wretched country proclaiming a gospel of repentance, and then my own people are going to kill me. Right? So he's like, mm, I'm out of here. Right? So time for my annual leave. Right? I'm going to get out of here. And so that's what he's doing. So he's like, forget this, and he fled away from God's assignment. But before we let Jonah off the hook too easily, you need to remember, we have to remember, he was called by God to be a prophet. And we too are called by God to be messengers of his grace to a lost and dying world. Amen? That is our call. That was his call. He had a specific call to be a messenger for God. And we too have a call by God to be a messenger in this world. And when God gives you an assignment, he wants to take you on a ride, an adventure, to see something you've never seen before or to be used by God in a way you've never been used before. But too often, the average Joe Christian runs from God and his assignments. But while the average Joe runs from God, how does God respond? The heart of God pursues us even when we rebel. That is an amazing glimpse into the heart of God. The heart of God pursues us even when we rebel. Now, it said that Jonah was, said that Jonah was trying to flee from the Lord, but remember that you can run, but you cannot hide from the presence of God in our lives. Okay? So you could run as far as you want, but you cannot hide from God's presence. God pursues us even when we rebel. So how does God pursue us in our disobedient rebellion? One way he does it, he pursues us through circumstances. So everyone say circumstances. So one of the ways that God pursues us is through the circumstances of our lives. Let's look at verse 4. All right, so let's, actually, let's recap a little bit what's going on. So God says, Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. He gets up and goes to Tarshish. All right, so he goes to Joppa, gets on a... First ship headed out of there. He's like, I'm out of here. Right? I'm going to hightail it out, out of here. And so he's sailing, and they just take off. Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Okay, so the Lord sends a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose, ship's about to break apart. So realize, um, if... The conditions were really bad. These sailors probably wouldn't take enough. You know, they were probably like, all right, it's, it's not very safe right now. We'll just wait it out a little bit. But realize it was pretty good to sail. So they sail. Right after they sail, God sends a huge storm, and the waves are crashing. And it basically, you know, all the, this whole ship is about to fall apart. Okay? And so all of a sudden, God is sending a major message through the storm on the seas. And what we need to realize is that is how God pursues his people sometimes. God may send storms into your life to bring you back to him. The storms of our lives come 
not to punish us, but to bring us back to him. And for some of us, we may be uh, facing a family storm. There's a family crisis. Things are not pleasant back home. But you need to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, is what is God trying to speak to us through this situation? He is pursuing us in the midst of the circumstances. And for a lot of people, they're going through a financial storm. Right? Uh, several of my friends back in the U.S., they've lost their jobs recently as well. And even in Korea, a lot of things are under pressure because of these financial crises. But when difficulties happen, we need to realize that God also speaks to us through the circumstances of our lives. But the common question people usually ask is, God, why me? Right? That's what we usually ask. If it's hard, we're like, God, why me? Right? When we look at other people, they're not suffering. They just got a raise. I just got fired. And we complain and get all bitter and angry and we ask, why me? But that's not the question believers should ask. When you are going through difficulties in your life, when you're going through hardships, when your circumstances are hard, instead of asking, God, why me? We need to understand that God is sovereign in our circumstances and speaking to us, doing something to us through it. So... What we should ask is, God, what are you trying to speak to me through this circumstance? Or, what are you trying to teach me through this difficulty? That's the question that will mature your faith. Amen? So when you get, if you're going through a hard time right now, chances are you are. Instead of asking, God, why me? And just, God, get it over with. Just get me out of this. God's trying to pursue you in some way to bring you closer to him. So we need to ask, God, what are you trying to teach me through this hardship? What are you trying to teach me through this awkward relationship that I have? What are you trying to teach me through this really bad thing that just happened? God, what are you trying to teach me through this? How are you trying to draw me closer to you through this difficult experience? Remember that God places a higher priority on shaping our character than on giving us comfort. And so when we rebel, difficulties may come not to punish us, but to purify us in our faith so that we might return back to him. Amen. That is how God works, people. He pursues us even when we rebel and through the circumstances of our lives. And now this is an interesting thing. Another way that God pursues us, especially if we are in rebellion, we haven't spent time with God for a long time, we haven't spent time in prayer We haven't spent time in his word, and God's trying to speak to us. God's trying to orchestrate things. So he'll use circumstances, but another thing he uses when we are far from him, sometimes God will speak through people. He will send messengers to us to to get us back on track. Let's look at verse 5, Jonah chapter 1, verse 5. Okay, so all of a sudden the storm has come. The ship is about to fall apart. And verse 5, let's read verse 5 together. Ready to begin? All the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. This is pretty interesting. Now we will begin to see the average heart of Job. Verse 5 again, it says, All the sailors, they're afraid. Now, you know if the sailors are afraid, they're in trouble. It's kind of like flying. I I actually have one friend, he hates flying. Uh, because of all these plane crashes and, you know, that he sees happen and stuff. But for me, 
I love these shows like Airplane Crash Investigation and these documentaries on like Discovery Channel that shows how and why planes crash. I, I love it. I love flying still. You know, I don't have any fear of that. But I'm always fascinated by it. You know, and one of my friends is like, oh, you know, Eddie, whenever I fly, I, I, you know, I, I always get nervous. But especially if the stewardesses, if they're nervous and scared, dude, that really freaks me out, right? Because, you know, they're trained in it. They fly their whole careers and stuff. And so if they're scared, you know, something's up. And similarly with these sailors, they were afraid. You know, again, they spend their whole careers in the, over the sea and in the oceans. And they've seen a lot of storms. But these guys, they were freaked out, right? So all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to who? His own God, right? So one guy is crying out to the God, you know, he worships like the God of the sea and he's crying out to the God of the sea. God of the sea, if we did anything, you know, please, how can we appease you here? You know, here's some candy or something, right? He's like throwing anything out into the ocean and then another sailor is crying out to the God of the wind. God of the wind, please stop, you know, what did we do? I'm so sorry, you know, I know I shouldn't have stolen that check from my partner right here, but God, you know, so it's like confessing all these things. Another guy's crying out to the God of the land. Oh, God of the land, you know, hurry up and bring me to you. You know, I'm so scared to be out here. And all these, so they're afraid, they're crying out and the winds, the waves are breaking, the ship is shaking, it's about to fall apart. And then what happens? And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, cargo meant money for them. Right? This was their livelihood. So they need to bring this cargo to this place and they get paid. But obviously for them, who cares about money? Who cares about my salary? Who cares about our wages? They're just chucking it. They're just getting rid of it. Right? Because they realize our life is at stake. Forget this. Right? But what did Jonah do? Jonah had gone below deck where he lie on his knees interceding for the God to stop. No. What does he do? Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. What a man of God. <laughs> right? What a godly man. <laughs> he's probably thinking, you know, like, the Lord grants sleep to those he loves. Right? No, that's <laughs> probably not what he's thinking, right? Again, he just wants to get away. He's like, just forget all this. Right? He's running away. But look at what happens in verse 6. The captain went down to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. Remember those words? Exact same words that God spoke to Jonah before. Get up, go to Nineveh. He got up, went to Tarshish. And now the captain goes down and says, Get up, call on your God. Pray to your God. Maybe he will take note of us, notice of us and we will not perish. Amazing. God is using this pagan captain as a prophet to his prophet. He is calling his prophet back to him even through this pagan captain. God pursues us sometimes through other people. You see, the captain sees that they're in need of divine help and he asks Jonah to call on his God to pray. Look at verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. So they ask him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What did you do? Where did you come from? What is your country? What people? Who are you, dude? You are in trouble. You are messed up, right? They want to figure out what did you do. You really ticked off your God. 
And let's read verse 9 together. Ready to begin? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now he is being a prophet. Unintentionally, but God is still using him through the circumstances. He is pursuing him through circumstances. He is speaking to him. He pursues him through other people, through the captain, through the casting of the lots, through all these sailors to provide an opportunity for him to declare that he worships the true God. You see, you can run, but you cannot hide from the providence of God. Amen? Because our God is sovereign over all things. He is saying, you know what? You worship the God of the sea. You are crying out. You are praying to the God of the sea. I worship the God who created the sea. You are crying out to the God of the winds and the lands, but I worship the God who reigns supreme over all these things. Our God is ruler over all the earth and over all the seas. He is ruler over all the circumstances that we face, over everything in our lives. There is not one moment of our lives, not one moment that goes by in this universe where our God is not in control. Amen? That is our God. And you need to understand that that's still our God today. That even though there's a financial crisis in this world, God is not frustrated. God is not worried about what's gonna, what the stock market's going to look like tomorrow. And for a people who worship the God who is in control over all things, are a people who do not worry and fret like the rest of the world does. Amen? Because we know something the rest of the world does not. And that is, everything that happens only happens with the approval of our sovereign God who's in control over all things. So that is why when you are in a family situation, when you are in a job crisis, when you are in a, a financial difficulty, you do not fret like the rest of the world because we can have peace because we know God, our Father, is the owner of it all. He's in control of it all. And he promises he's going to take care of his kids. Amen? So we do not worry like the rest of the world. We can run but we cannot hide from the majestic providence of God. Even if you run to the farthest parts of the world, even if you run throughout different parts of the sea, you cross the seas to this country thinking you could escape that problem that you had back home, that you think you could escape from the family problems that you had when you were back home. You can run, but you cannot hide from the providence of God that is pursuing you to draw you back to him. That is our God. Amen? See, Jonah is saying through this, you are fearful of the wind and the waves, but I worship the Lord who made the wind and the waves. God is sovereignly speaking through the seas, through the sailors, through the casting of the lots, in order to get his prophet, his prophet back on mission for him. You see, God pursues us even when we rebel. And even in rebellion, God uses Jonah to be a witness for him. And even in our rebellion, God can still use us when we obey his call once again. Okay, so this is pretty, again, I, I just love scripture. It is so funny to me sometimes. It's so interesting and so alive. Okay, so, okay, you got to, again, imagine. So all this is going around, okay? So even when they're casting lots, I'm imagining, like, they're all losing their balance. 
You know, it's like, you know, there are ships about to fall apart because God didn't call a timeout during this time. All right, why don't you guys talk it over, right? All right, okay, well, you see, I serve the God of the sea. All right, no, that doesn't happen. This, everything's like in chaos, right? And they're talking, call out to your God. What did you do? And he's like, oh, you know, I just kind of, I ran away from my God, right? But God, right, and they're freaking out and they're casting lots and all this stuff is happening. And then we get to verse, uh, okay, so then he says verse nine, all right? So it's like, who's responsible for this? It's like, we called out to our God. They're doing nothing. Are you responsible? He goes, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God who made everything, you know, the supreme God over all things. And so I kind of rebelled against him. And then verse 10, this terrified them. So they're freaking out. They're like, dude, we are dead, right? You worship the God over all things, and you're running away from him? Dude, we are dead by association, right? So verse 10, they terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. So again, again, even just not, yeah, I'm running away from God, you know? So, and so these ta- the amazing thing is these sailors, they show a greater fear for God than Jonah. And then you see, so God is pursuing us through circumstances, through people, and also God pursues us through his sovereignty, through his control over all things. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down? Now this reveals why he's an average Joe. All right, so realize, I mean, they're throwing away their money. They're throwing away their cargo. They're desperate, right? Let's, we're going to die. We're going to die. Do something. Do something. And then he asked them. He realized you're the cause of it. Jonah's the cause of it. What should we do? This is a golden divine opportunity. Like if you were to say, bow your knee to the God Almighty, right? And, you know, I'm sure they would have done it, right? So they're so desperate. They're so open. But what does this average Joe do? Let's look at verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So this is amazing. So instead of repenting, I mean, it would have been awesome. Like, this would be a Hollywood movie if he goes, it is because I'm running away from God. He gave me an assignment to, you know, proclaim uh, repentance to uh, this city of Nineveh. So he stands on the top of this deck and he's like, let's go to Nineveh, you know. He's like, turn the ship around, let's go to Nineveh. And I'm sure they would have all been witnesses with him, right? He's serving the true God, you know. They, what does he do? No, he says, kill me. <laughs> it's my fault. Just kill me, right? And this is the, this is the thing that gets me. It's, Jonah cracks me up, man. Not only that, he does not even have the nerve to jump over the ship by himself, okay? He makes them do it. What a selfish guy, right? And so this guy endangers the lives of these sailors by his disobedience, and now he wants to turn them also into murderers, right? And so again, instead of getting his life back on mission with God, he just wants to end it. And how many, that really is average Joe. That, is, that really is us, right? When we go through a storm, what do we say? We don't say, we don't pray in God. God, what are you speaking to? What are you trying to teach? We're like, God, let me die. Oh, God, oh, I can't handle it. Just let me die. Let me not wake up tomorrow, right? It's so average Joe right here. When we, when we go through a storm, instead of facing our mistakes, instead of making amends, instead of getting back on mission with God, we just want to call it quits. God, just take my life. I'm sorry. You can't use me anymore. I just messed up, right? And it's amazing, these sailors expressed more fear. And so, again, so these sailors, what, what would you do, right? 
It's like all of a sudden, it's like they realize, man, this guy is tr- serving the true God, the almighty God, and he is ticked off. And so he's like saying, what should we do? He's like, just kill me, just throw me overboard, right? And again, they fear God even more than Jonah. They're like, we're not going to upset your God even more by killing his prophets, right? Verse 13, so instead, the men did their best to roll back to the land. They're like, no, I'm not going to become murderers too, right? But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. You cannot thwart the purposes of God. Amen? You may try. You may row as hard as you can to get out of God's purpose for you. You cannot thwart the purposes of God. You can run, but you cannot hide from God and His purpose that He has for your life. You see, you can fulfill God's purposes for your life the easy way or the hard way, but regardless... It is God's way that will prevail. But praise God for his heart that pursues us even in our sinful rebellion. Even at our worst, God does not give up on us. Amen? Because look, this is one of the, this is pretty, this is really sad. This is a very sad picture of Jonah. And actually throughout this book, we're going to see just a really almost pathetic picture of a prophet. And in this, we see our hearts. That in Jonah's worst, in his selfishness, in his disobedience, in his rebellion, God doesn't show him anger and hatred. He pursues him in mercy. At his worst, God is showing his best. That's so not like us, right? At somebody's worst, when we know somebody messed up, when they hurt us, when they deceived us, when they betrayed us really bad, at their worst, what do we show them? We show them our worst, right? You deserve it. Ah! Right? We release our wrath. We release. It's like, who cares if I'm a Christian? It doesn't matter because they really did me bad. They did me wrong so bad. Right? But God, praise God, he does not respond to us like that. At our worst, he shows us his best upon the cross. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. God is awesome. Amen. Dude, there's no one like God. Amazing God. At our worst, he does not give up on us. That is the gospel. So average Joe, he runs from God, but God graciously pursues him in his mercy, even in his rebellion. And ultimately... The heart of God responds with mercy to those who fear him. So everybody repeat. The heart of God responds with mercy. Or he responds with mercy to those who fear him. Let's look at verse 14. Let's read verse 14 together. Ready to begin? Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. So again, we see the pagan sailors understand the sovereignty and the supremacy of God far more than Jonah is showing. And throughout this whole ordeal, now they express fear, reverence, and respect for God. Okay, so again, all of a sudden this storm is raging, and now they they even pray. They are no longer praying to their own God. Who are they praying to? They are praying to the Lord. Say, oh Lord, please have mercy on us as we are about to kill this guy. (laughs) So in this reverence and this fear, they pray and they do it. Verse 15, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. 
and the raging sea grew calm. So you got to remember, it's still raging, this raging storm, the ship's about to fall apart. Everything looks like chaos, 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 violence, violence. And then it's quiet. Verse 16, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Amazing. See, when we turn to God in fear and reverence and humility, God responds with mercy. God shows mercy to these sailors by calming the storm. He shows them grace and mercy for their reverent act. In verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to what? To chew up, devour his rebellious prophet? No. To swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. See, God is so awesome. Like, praise God, I am not God. Would I, I was like, if I was like God in this situation, Jonah's like my little punk prophet who's like constantly running away and rebelling. I'd be like, dude, man, see, I, I want to use you, right, to bring a, my message to this unreached city, and I want to use you and be partners with you and to give you this honor. And he keeps running away, running away, running away, and I'm going to keep running after him, drag, and he's like, right? I would be like, fine. Fine. You want to die? I'll kill you, right? You want to die? All right. Go into the ocean. And after you suffer for about 10 minutes of drowning, I'm going to send a shark to chew you up, spit you up, right? Well, praise God I'm not God, right? Praise God God is not like that, right? Our God's awesome. Our God is cool, right? But God doesn't do that. Our God is filled with mercy and patience even in our years of rebellion. Amen? What a mighty God we serve. You see, you can run, but you cannot hide from the mercies of God. You can run, but you cannot hide from the mercies of God that pursue His children for all the days of our lives. The great shepherd psalm of 23 concludes with this promise that surely goodness and mercy will follow me, pursue me, run after me all the days of my life. And then, even after that, after a lifetime of being pursued by the mercies and the goodness of God, then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. See, no matter how far you run, God's mercy runs harder after you. And his arms are not crossed. He is not angry in our worst. God gives his best. And his arms are open for you today. Amen? Let's pray.